0: and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. We're here every Tuesday to give you a dose of career advice, inspiration, and I think sometimes even just reassurance. Some people keep telling me how sometimes they just listen because they've had a bad day and it makes them feel a bit better, which makes me very happy. And so today our topic is freelancing. And we've had lots of requests to cover this. Oh, actually, we were just waiting to sort of find the right moment because I'm joined by Helen, as Hello, always. Everybody. But neither of us have actually ever freelanced before. And uh, we'll talk about whether we're increasingly in the minority, potentially. But we've started working with a lot of freelancers, but we wanted to get a couple of experts in the room to join us, to talk about what it's like to be in a freelance role, transitioning into freelance, but also just what the context and the environment for freelancers look like today. So we're delighted to have two guests with us, two kind of experts on the topic. And hopefully we're going to have a really good conversation about what is freelancing, the pros, the cons, how to set yourself up, what that looks like. We've got Matthew Knight with us. So Matthew is a freelancer, so he ticks that box. And he works in strategy and innovation. And interestingly, he's also the founder and chief curator of something called Leapers, which is a community for people who want to work differently. And perhaps we'll talk about whether that's work differently generally or freelancing specifically. And I thought to introduce ourselves today, um, we are recording this on the hottest day of the year, <laughs> so I think we're probably about a week behind, so it will be fresh in everybody's memory. And we often talk about within a squiggly career, you can go from feeling like you're thriving to surviving pretty quickly. So Matthew, welcome to the podcast. And How you. are you this week with all of the heat? Are you surviving, thriving mode, loving it, hating it?
1: I've completely lost track of where I am or what I'm doing this week (laughs) and and mostly due to the heat. Monday, I was in London. Leicester, I was in Tuesday and a packed (laughs) train coming back to London sitting on the floor. Not fun. Yesterday, fortunately, I had a client who has air conditioning. Uh. So uh, that is definitely one way of picking your clients is based upon the (laughs) environment which they can offer you, I think.
0: That's probably a very relevant point. For us this week, for the creative agency where I work, we work in a we work and On almost the second hottest day of the year, all of the water disappeared. So no toilets, no water to drink. And very importantly, you realise that water is connected to air conditioning. And so suddenly an eight floor we work was going, (laughs) "Uh, what do we do? So Old Street Roundabout cafes were very busy (laughs) on that day. And that day definitely felt like a survival day, I think, for lots of different people. We also have with us Chloe Jeep, who's the head of research for IPSA. And you're a kind of research body. Is that the right way to describe you? And kind of almost a membership body for people who work independently and are self-employed. And we'll talk a bit more about some of the stats and the facts so that we can talk objectively because you sort of hear now, don't you, everyone's freelancing, we're all doing yeah. it and we'll start to quantify whether that's true or not. And Chloe, how's your week so far? Surviving, thriving, somewhere in the middle?
2: I think it's a bit of a mixture. I get up and I feel fine. I get on the tube and it's absolutely awful. awful. Yeah. And then I get to work and it's freezing because they have the air conditioning on <laughs> full
0: power all day long, so... It's a mixture this week, I think. Ups and downs (laughs) every day, basically. It's, uh, you know, those moments where people who are on holiday this week are so smug. The amount of smug Instagram posts I've seen this week, which I'm like, it's fair enough. Yeah. So, Helen, perhaps you could kick us off by just talking about, within the context of a squiggly career, why freelancing is becoming such a popular topic and area for debate. So if we think about
3: the careers previously were quite linear, quite predictable, more staircase like, what we look at is that people tend to stay in one mode, which often was like the traditional job, to be honest, employed full time, kind of like that whole nine to five thing. And when we look at squiggly careers now, which is sort of the predominant way that either people are working or moving towards there is a lot more fluidity in how they're working and that might be in terms of maybe the hours they're working or they can work remotely you know people are moving between roles in and out of companies more so we have this context for careers that enables a lot more choice about how we work we don't all have to work in the same way in that kind of same staircase path and what we are seeing is that there are more people who are freelancing in that squiggly career they're sort of trying that mode of work on and that actually that that career context is enabling it because people can had they've got the technology to work remotely so that actually their freelance opportunities could be outside of the area that they work in they can work in teams virtually it just creates the opportunity for people to work in that way so we're seeing that the context enables it and as more people start saying wow actually this squiggly career thing's really good I don't have to follow people's path more people are talking to us and saying freelance looks like an opportunity that would be really interesting for me in this career but I think people are a little bit scared of it, like it's sort of, mm. it's quite glamorized. So we see quite a lot about yeah. it, and I know we'll talk about the stats. But people are a bit fearful about how do I do it. Just as it's glamorized, there are also some kind of fear stories around getting paid and you know where the power is and if I do that, can I go back? And I, I think that'll be all really interesting things for us to get into today. But. There is certainly, I mean, maybe let's move on to the stats, it's certainly an area that is increasing in interest and it looks to be something that's increasing in a a mode of career that people are interested in.
0: Yeah, so when we think about kind of what is a freelancer, so Mm -hmm. let's just make sure that we all kind of feel clear about Mm -hmm. it. We were sort of thinking about what's the definition and I'd be really interested to hear both of your kind of perspectives around at what point do you go, I'm now a freelancer versus maybe doing side projects or working for myself And my starting hypothesis was there are three things, perhaps, that all freelancers have in common, that you work for yourself, that you have multiple projects and that you're managing your own time. So, Matthew, as a freelancer, is that right? Are those three things all true for you?
1: I think there's a really interesting distinction between freelance and self-employed. Mm. So most freelancers are self-employed. Not yeah. all self-employed are freelancers. And I think the the yes. main distinction that a lot of bodies tend to make is that freelancers are a set of like specialist skills in some way. Okay. Um, but I think the definitions are really falling behind when it comes to work, and and yeah. there are so many models of the work that don't have a clear definition of what is and what isn't you know around the gig economy around uh, models of work where you're effectively contingent on somebody providing your pipeline of work you're not in control of that so whether that's zero hours contracts or you know uber drivers yeah but that also applies to the freelance sector to a certain extent because you can't just magic a job out of the air so i think a lot of people get wrapped up in the definitions the thing which i find the most interesting about work at the moment is that we have the opportunity to design how we work. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important bit. It's not going, oh, I'm going to be in a job or I'm going to be a freelance. It's how do you want to work? What works for you? What's the right model? What's the right financial setup? Is it a balance of a multitude of things? Rather than thinking that there is a binary state between I've got a job or I'm freelance.
0: Yeah. And Chloe, when you're Looking at the research and you are looking at the stats, which we'll start to talk about, how do you define the freelance community when you're thinking about the self-employed freelance distinction? So we define
2: them as those that are working in kind of the top three categories of um, highly skilled jobs. So those are kind of professionals, ones that require lots of skill, and they're also working for themselves and choosing where they work, when they work. And to an extent who they work for, obviously, you can't always say no to a client if you need <laughs> the money. But but yeah, we, we struggle. And there's actually no like legal statutory definition right. of self-employment or freelance. And that causes a lot of the issues that mm-hmm. we find around the self-employment sector, because no one really knows who fits into this category. There's no agreed definition of who is, who isn't. And that's how we
0: run into a lot of difficulties in terms of, you know, tax and legal issues. Yeah, and I suppose sweeping generalisations made to people who could actually be doing very different types of roles in very different professions. We're seeing a trend anyway with careers more generally, and I wonder if this is the same actually for freelancers around going, actually now everything's becoming much more personalised. Yeah. This kind of hyper personalization of going, you can't put everybody together in a category. No. And actually... That's probably better. It's probably better to kind of have a freer view and worry less about definitions and more about individual needs. Yeah. So when you look at the way you do think about freelancers, what kind of numbers for the UK are we looking at in terms of how many people are doing it? Is it on the increase? Yep. Yeah. So
2: in terms of self-employment, there's about nearly five million people wow. who are self-employed in the UK nearly half of those we would consider as freelancers and that's increased by nearly 50% in the last 10 years. Wow! And we've actually found that that increase has been driven by women who've increased by like 63% in the last 10 years and a lot of working mothers working in this way and the main reason they choose to do it is um, for flexibility. That's the top reason every time we talk to people it's about the flexibility to work around them and their lives And it just works
3: for them better than a sort of nine to five job. Do you think if organisations had inherently more flexible roles in them, and we've done stuff before around flexibility, that freelance number would drop? Do you think they're defaulting to, particularly the women, Mm. they're defaulting to freelance because it offers them flexibility that traditional company-type jobs don't have in them?
2: I think that that definitely is one of the reasons. Um, But I think also that flexibility is the top reason, but it's not the only reason. It's about being able to work on projects that you have decided to work on. It's about being in control of your your workload and things like that. And when you want to take time off, finance is allowing, you can choose when that is and other things like that. So I think it's not just the flexible hours. Mm. It's also um, being able to choose what you want to work on and also pursue different passions.
0: Yeah. And Matthew, for you, when you made that leap, given I'm assuming you use the word leap, given your community of leapers, do, yeah. um, when you made that leap, was it a multitude of factors or was there one specific thing, trigger, that meant it felt like it was the right time for you?
1: I did make an active decision to freelance. Um, so I had a six month notice period in a role and was wow. working out what I wanted to do with my time and having conversations with people about, you know, what they were doing and what was interesting. And a role didn't present itself that I was genuinely Keen to take, mm-hmm. I chose to hand in my notice without having a job to go to because no one's going to wait six months. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where, well, I need to start making money, so I set myself up as a self-employed contractor so I could take the income and you know all we'll be above board and, and yeah. so on. So it was a matter of a situation than, yeah. than anything it else. It was happened
0: more organically and naturally, yeah.
1: and that's a, a lot of people find themselves in self-employment or freelancing not through their own choice so perhaps That's redundancy mm-hmm. uh, perhaps they're not able to get a role perhaps they're having to get additional roles to supplement their income mm-hmm. so there's um the the positive view on why people go freelancing is the standard narrative mm. of around flexibility and yeah. choice of what work you do and where you work and but the reality for a lot of people is that it's a situation which they are not forced to be in, but don't have a huge amount of choice.
3: And just to go to Chloe, you were talking about the definition that they use and um, that having a specific skill was part of that. At that point where you felt like, I'm sort of being forced to look into some other options because there's not the traditional one right in front of me. Were you confident
0: about the skill set that you could sell effectively?
1: Absolutely not. Oh. I, I was, uh, you
0: started that sentence so confidently. I was like, who's going to go? Absolutely not. No, <laughs> I I,
1: uh, I dread when people say, oh, so what do you do? Uh, nice. Because I've never in my entire career had a succinct answer for it. And as a strategist, I'm a generalist. I can do a little bit of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and selling broad, being interesting and interested is really difficult. Mm. And I have for a long time struggled with really having a clear proposition to sell and the second thing is I'm not a salesperson Mm. I'm really good at what I do. I'm really bad at finding it and selling myself and getting that stuff out there and marketing it. And there's one of the big things that a lot of people don't consider when they go freelancing is you are a craftsperson. You are that highly Mm. skilled individual, but you're also the marketing guy and the sales guy and the accountant and the person who takes out the bins and the person who does the laundry. And, And suddenly your world becomes so much more than just the work which you're brilliant at it's a completely different mode of, you're running a business. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's almost the, it's what's so interesting is you talk about people having kind of the specialisms and the irony is potentially by then choosing to really focus on that by being freelance, you then end up probably doing lots of other things that you'd not anticipated that are not your specialism.
1: Huge amount and it's a massive learning curve as mm. well because when was the first time you did a contract? You know, if you were a graphic designer, And you step out of a job and then suddenly, oh, what's the contract? What's a non-compete clause? What does this IP thing mean? Oh, what's my, because other people have been doing that for you. You've had a huge support network in a role, uh, career development, the team, the people saying, hey, here's a project. Can you go and do this? Um, Legal support if it all goes horribly wrong. And then you step out and you're on the hook for that. And I think there's a lack of awareness around those things that you have to get up to speed with really quickly
0: and Chloe do you find that uh, when you're looking at freelancers that almost the thing they need help with the most is that setting themselves up as a business what are the things that people raise in terms of this is where I'm getting a bit stuck because I'm guessing probably people are confident or at least have a point of view on what they want to spend their time doing or perhaps they've, as Matthew said, it perhaps wasn't what they expected, but they know the work they might produce. Absolutely. Is it setting yourselves up in generally or, or yeah. is it more selling yourself or a combination of factors?
2: It's a combination of factors because, um, as Matthew was saying, like you want to be a graphic designer. You're really good at graphic design. But then suddenly you have to wear all these other different hats and deal with tax and legal issues, which you've never had to deal with because mm-hmm. you have had might have always had an employer doing it for you. So it is a minefield. So it's not only the the legal things, but it's also marketing, you know, social media, building your brand and things like that. It might not necessarily come naturally to you. So at IPSO, we offer a lot of support for people. So we have help with contracts. We have tax and legal helplines. We have Mm. um, insurances to protect people because also you don't have any statutory employment benefits either if you become a freelancer. So we provide insurances and things like that. Um, so it is a very scary thing. But having spoken to a lot of freelancers, they say that it was scary to take the leap in the beginning. But once they got into it, they were so happy that they'd done it. And we find very few people are actually unhappy with their careers. Okay, they say it's stressful, there's difficulties, um, it's been a steep learning curve, you said. But most people are generally happy once they get into it.
0: Yeah, and I think what's been interesting already so far in the conversation is breaking a few stereotypes or some assumptions you have around freelancing. And one of the things that I found really interesting when I was uh, doing a bit of research is that the number of self-employed people over 65 has tripled, particularly since the recession. So what I was going, oh, that's really interesting. Is that economic driven? So actually, there's been a recession and perhaps people now genuinely need the cash. So mm-hmm. they're working for longer, but they want to work in a different way. Or is that choice because actually people see the benefits of work in terms of community, collaboration, intellectual stimulation. I'm guessing it could be a bit of a combination of factors. But I think you often go freelancing looks cool, probably in an office that looks a bit like a work with plants <laughs> and lots of concrete, etc. Yeah. All kind of probably city based, very millennial thing. So you sort of, And I think a lot of people go. That's, um, to me, I want to do. It's always kind of overwhelmingly positive. You do see a lot of that. And I thought, oh, that's interesting that actually people potentially at retirement age are now starting to see freelance as potentially an option for them.
2: Yeah, so it has been increasing. And we actually found that for younger people, it's much less likely to be because they can't find another role or because of redundancy. For the older population, that does get higher. But it is definitely a combination between both. So people um, say that they now that it's so possible and so easy with you know the internet and everything else to be a freelancer they've said I've been working for someone my whole life now it's my turn to work for myself do something I want to do but you're right for other people um, it is that element of I can't find a job I need to keep working into my retirement um, so I'm going to go freelance and work in that way but it really is a mixture um, and there's a lot of positive stories out there
0: And Matthew, in your community, so you uh, run a Slack group. So people who don't know Slack, it's a kind of technology sharing platform, I guess, the way you can do things like instant messenger, have like channels where people can communicate and stay in touch. And you run a Slack channel for the Leapers community. Would you say that in terms of when people are kind of talking about their experiences, that it mirrors what Chloe was saying, that people are, yes, there are challenges, people are fundamentally enjoying it, that kind of the pros outweigh the cons, or does it come down to individual circumstance?
1: So, um, net happiness is higher well, when you're Well, that's a i thinking about, it, net happiness, um, and yeah. Mo- most um, research shows that it's a positive. Leapers as a community focuses very much on the things which you step away from when you leave a job. Mm. And I think there are no shortage of organisations or communities which focus on helping you position yourself or find mm-hmm. work or do the the operations of, of being a freelancer. But we focus on a number of gaps one which is around career development mm-hmm. um so when you are in a job somebody's poking you in the back to kind of go yeah. you know do you see CPD logs or to go on that training course or hey you're going to go for this promotion hopefully you don't do you mm-hmm. really get a promotion when you're a freelancer? Yeah. So how do you continue developing? The second thing is around building relationships with the people you're working with because you're on shorter bursts with new teams frequently with a freelancer. You're often dropped into an organisation, uh, not told where to sit or where the loos are, and you have <laughs> to get working very quickly yeah. and quite often treated as not a member of the team, a second-rate citizen. So how do you build better relationships with people? Mm-hmm. And the third area, which is our primary focus, is around Mount health. And the challenges of potentially being isolated or the stress that's caused by late payments or Mm -hmm. finding work Mm -hmm. or being out of whatever it might be. So because we have a focus on how we can support people's emotional health and freelancers, Mm -hmm. it sometimes looks a little more negative uh, because people are being vulnerable and they're being open Mm -hmm. and they're saying, oh, God, I feel dreadful today. Like, I don't want to get about out of bed. I need to write this blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and the purpose of the community is everybody just kind of piles in and says, oh, do you want to have a chat? Mm. Or, do you want a coffee? Yeah, like, nice. oh, I'm down the, down the road. Should we just go grab a drink or anything? So it's just like a big internet hug. And <laughs> I I think that's, you know, that's a missing part for many people who are working for themselves or by themselves, whether that's remote workers mm. or, or freelance or whatever it might be. And if people are not being aware of maintaining their own mental health and they're not prioritizing that because it's really easy to drop off the list Mm -hmm. of after doing the work and paying the bills and so on that whilst net happiness is higher the risk of you falling into a higher kind of state of anxiety or struggling with mental health is way higher. It's a multiple. In the creative industries, you're four times more likely to be affected with um, mental health challenges in some way, which is a huge as number. a freelancer. Uh, just generally I think that's within just the general, industries, isn't it? yeah, mm. generally within industries. And the research which we did early in the year showed that over fifty percent of people before they went freelancing didn't consider the impact it would have on the mental health. Over 50% also say that it has negatively impacted uh, their ability to work at some point. So it's an important thing that people aren't necessarily considering. And I think it's an essential part of any conversation. And employers are doing a brilliant piece to support the mental health of their employees. But if you don't have an employer a who's, who's looking
3: yeah. for you. It's a really interesting um, kind of point to move on to, I think. About if someone, part of the reason we've started the podcast on, on freelancing today is because people in our community are considering it and they're kind of asking us questions. And so if somebody is listening to this and they're thinking, I think this could be a thing that I'd like my squiggly career to include, and maybe I'm still in a traditional role at the moment, as part of a transition perhaps to a freelance future, maybe not the long term or medium term, but it's just part of their future. You mentioned there about people aren't considering the implications of their mental health. I'm sat at home. I'm thinking about it. I'm listening to Matthew and I'm going, OK, so I need to consider my mental health. I'm going to make this move and a couple of other things that would be good for us to talk about. But what does considering it look like? What practically should they do as, when they transition?
1: Number one, having that question. Like just, oh, mm. oh I need to consider it. Yeah, you just, just having the awareness and thinking about it and a little nudge. Yeah. That goes, oh, I just need to check in with myself or I need to go and hang out with a friend and just share how wow. I'm going. That just the active consideration of it is probably the most useful, tangible recommendation. Yeah, And the second thing which kind of plays into that is build yourself a support network. People who who understand the experience. It's great having friends and family, but there's... I think when you are self-employed, you understand the challenges and it's great mm. to have those people around you so you don't have to explain and then ask for help or support. Mm. You can just, you can go blah, 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 and they are like, I get it. Yeah. Um, so having a support network in some form, whether that be an online community or, you know, in a co-working space or people that you talk to on a regular basis, that's absolutely critical. And I think the the third thing is just... Put the things in place that you want to design around. Don't just step into it and expect that things are going to work. You're reading all the articles. Oh, I've got like the freedom. I've got, well, clients are going to be coming out the woodwork. <laughs> going to be design how you want it to work. What it looks like. Are you going to be doing it five days a week? Or are you only going to do like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? You know, do you put some boundaries in place? Design what you want it to look like. And then you have an understanding of, if it's not working, mm. if like, oh God, I'm doing every single weekend or it's not, then at least you know that something needs to be corrected. So it's all about awareness. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: When I left Microsoft, I went to work on Amazing If full-time, so self-employed. I remember thinking one of the things that I really liked about working in a company was the energy. Like, I, can, I really feed off other people's energy, and so I moved very consciously and thought I don't want to be in my house five days a week because one or two days I quite like it because I like the focus. But after two days, I really feel myself like depleted. So I consciously thought I got like a membership of a members club, and sometimes I don't ever meet anybody there, but I'm just surrounded by people and it makes me feel energized. So. I don't think I intentionally was like five things I should do, but I, I, I think that design a career in a flexible future and a, and a freelance future that works for you. And that might be different for Matthew, might be different for Chloe and Helen or Sarah is a really important part of that transition. Would yeah. you, you add anything else, Chloe, that you think if someone's thinking about moving towards freelance, what should be in their like checklist of things to do?
2: I think building a network and a community is one of the most important things and not only for your mental health and support, but also it's one of the best ways to find work, to collaborate. Most people find out about um, work opportunities through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So having that community, going to events, networking, meeting people, I think is one of the key things. And also if you're just thinking about it um, and you're not a freelancer yet, then actually starting to do that, talking to people who are already doing it, getting their views, getting their
0: support.
3: Is that hard for an
0: introvert to do? Well, that was going to be my next question. (laughs) Stolen my next question. I was like, I was just waiting to do that. Well, I'm an introvert. So, do you know, I was listening to Matthew going, um, oh, you go into a building for the first time and you don't know anyone. And I was thinking, oh, that's my worst case scenario. That's starting a new job. Mm -hmm. As an introvert starting a new job, I have always found really hard. I sort of need that two months of people here. I recognise them. I sort of feel comfortable. But I always find meeting new people really hard, very kind of energy depleting. Mm-hmm. And therefore, as a freelancer, I was thinking if I was going to be a freelancer, oh, does that mean I'm not very well suited to it? Because actually, I would find that really hard. Not necessarily. There's lots of
2: online communities as well if you're not um, very confident sort of doing the face to face. And a lot of these events have wine. So, wine always helps. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Chloe. You've gone
3: really practical. Just the future of freelancing, <laughs> wine.
2: <laughs> um, but no, online communities uh, can work for people who aren't necessarily as extrovert and don't want to go out and, and meet mm-hmm. or don't feel as comfortable. But I think one of the main things to consider as well is about building your confidence and uh, like almost putting like a freelancer hat on. This is not me. This is me as a freelancer. So it's like a different persona. Okay. Um, and I'm now a business that I'm selling. So it's kind of trying to step into a different mindset, I guess.
0: Is that what you do, Matthew? I saw you sort of, um, people can't see, but when I said introvert, I mean, Matthew got so enthusiastic there and put kind of both hands up. (laughs) So I'm guessing you relate to that.
1: I identify as introverted, yeah. Yeah. So
0: how do you find the turning up and trying to sell and meeting new people?
1: Really bad at it. (laughs) Um, And again, coming back to design, I design my week around that. So I generally front load the week with (laughs) people time and then the back half of the week is when I can sit at home writing or gathering the notes and pulling stuff together because I know my energy levels deplete like that. Mm -hmm. But if you're aware of those things, It allows you to go well actually maybe I don't want to start with a new team every single week so I'm going to look yeah. for longer term contracts yeah, you know, nice. just because you're freelance it doesn't mean you've, you're with the new team every week you could find a 6 month, 12 months, 2 year contract, it's still freelancing so it's around understanding how you work and I think again that's and this is not a self employed thing, generally a lot of people are not so clued up on how they work, you know yeah. they, they can say what they do and how long they've done it for but have never actively looked at, oh, actually, yeah, when I need focus, I need to work in these environments. Mm -hmm. Or when I collaborate, I need some time to Mm. kind of after it. And when you're freelancing, because you don't have anybody else that is taking that slack a lot of the time, you really need to just make sure that you're designing that day or that week in the best possible way.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's probably never more important to think, what does success look like for me? As part of transitioning to a freelance, if you're being that considered about it, and even if it comes to you, also thinking that, and also going, how can I be the most successful? So what does that actually mean? So when do I do my best work? What environments am I in? How much do I like to collaborate? How much do I like to be on my own? it's interesting like Helen and I introvert versus extrovert but we actually have the same kind of insight and observation around not wanting to be by ourselves too much because mm-hmm. my problem is, at an introvert by myself I just turn into a hermit I'm just, I'm never going to leave the house as in and I just find that I then almost find it even harder to leave because <laughs> you just sort of get more and more clothes so actually I'm like Helen I very rarely sit at home at work even if I'm working from home I'm usually in a Cafe environment or a park environment, I will try and be somewhere with people around me, and somehow you can recognize 90 minutes to two hours of really good quality work. Versus sitting at home where something about it just doesn't feel as high energy and doesn't seem to produce the same results for me. What we'll do in the resources that we post to go
3: along with this on the podcast page on our website, which is amazingif.com for people, will include a link to an assessment of introversion and extroversion. So mm. people, if you're listening, you may intuitively know it. But if it's something you've not done before, we'll give you like a free link. And it might just help you to see where you sit on a scale of... Either you're an introvert, maybe you're an ambivert, which is somewhere in the middle, or you're an extrovert. And that might just help you to design your work with the way Matthew's talking.
1: And also, I think it's really important to get out of your own head every so often, <laughs> yeah. because I, I know <laughs> that I personally can't go around. Oh, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. And having feedback from others mm. is so, so important How to do get it you from your client. Ask uh, well, you know, yeah. it, you just need to ask, and it's another challenge with the freelance kind of experience. So a lot of the time is you come in, you do the work, mm. you move on to the next thing, and often you don't know what impact that work had or where it went. And it's really important to know that your work was meaningful and had impact and was valuable. So, do you
3: frame your request for feedback in any particular way? Like, what was the most impactful thing? What could I do differently? Is there any? Is there a standard thing you do?
1: Uh, usually, it's questions around which parts of this project do you find really valuable. Uh, where were there things that we could have improved or did we miss? And if we were to work together again, uh, you know, what would be valuable to do? So just kind of really giving them the opportunity to be open and frank. A lot of clients struggle to give good feedback. Yeah. I um, think people
0: struggle to give really good feedback generally. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of not a surprise.
1: But it is really important to ask and a lot of people forget. To, yeah, I can see that. To do that.
0: One of the other challenges that I thought um, is really, I think, our is something that most people would come across uh, is this sort of the idea of the free bit in freelancing. So I saw that um, in some of the research, Chloe, that you've done, it, 43% of people give away some of their time for free. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's the point about good old creative industries. Yeah. Which both Matthew and I have spent quite a lot of time in. That's 86% in creative industries and naturally... I don't think you have to be freelance to be able to, to give stuff away because I see that not just in freelance. So do we think that's a natural reality that everybody needs to kind of get their head around Around, oh, I'm going to have to work out a percentage of my time that I do give away for free because that helps to build my portfolio, that helps to show the quality of my work. Do I need to do more of that when I'm first starting because I've got to build my credibility? Or actually, is it more about going, no, that's actually not the right thing to do and you need to stick to your guns? What do you find? So we've got a whole
2: policy team at IPSA who are working right. on a lot of different issues. And this is one of the ones, so um, no free work, basically.
0: We're right, saying OK, you'd say no, like just don't do it.
2: We're saying that your work is valuable, it's Mm -hmm. a skill, you're working, you're producing work. And this comes to another of the issues that we find is people's confidence about valuing their work and setting their day rates and things like that. So we're trying to do a lot of training around that, a lot of education to make sure people are valuing their work. Because I think when people go out into the world as a freelancer, they think, oh well, is anyone going to pay me for this? Mm. So they think, oh, I better do some free work so I get a portfolio. But we're trying to change the attitude of clients and the freelancers to say that people should be paid for the work that they're doing.
0: Yeah, when you say it like that, you're like, yes, of Mm. of course. Of course (laughs) people should be paid for the work that they're doing. But it's hard, isn't it? It is.
2: And the other issue we find is late payments as well. Mm. So they're getting paid for it, but it's coming too late. And that's really difficult. With the regular payment, uh, you know, that's kind of normal as a freelancer, You, you always have different rates of income. It makes it very hard to plan if those payments are coming in late. And we find that people are spending so much time chasing these late payments. So it's not only that they're not getting paid, it's that they're spending extra admin time chasing the payments. And we don't think that's acceptable. So we're lobbying government. um, And we've had quite a good success with the Small Business Commissioner, who's now got the powers to fine larger companies that are late payers. But we're still really pushing on that work to make sure that it's not acceptable for... Because... A larger company has their whole legal team behind them to make sure they're paid <laughs> cool. on time. As a freelancer, you're just this one person kind of knocking yeah. at the door.
3: Is there a uh, like glass door equivalent for freelancers? Where free, there is, I'm getting nods. What, what is the glass door equivalent for freelancers?
1: Well, uh, there's a handful, but the main one is Freelance Circle, which is predominantly focused at the creative industries. Uh-huh. Um, so anonymous feedback on agencies, and also, they are working with organizations to help provide feedback to freelancers. It's essential that this is a relationship, it isn't a transactional process, that you're trying to build relationships with people that you trust and you can work with them again. Mm-hmm. And that it's really important that you recognize that the organization gets something out of this as much as the individual. And that's the shift that I'd really like to see in freelancing is that it's not overflow or outsource or oh, we've got to get somebody in. Mm -mm. It's uh, specialist talent, Mm, somebody that you're going, I really value your work. We're bringing you in because you can do a brilliant job and we don't have this skill internally and Mm. we want to work with you.
3: But an individual could go to that website and then if they were going to work for a certain company, could see some of the anonymous commentary to identify potentially are they a great payer or not a great payer. Is there any like, say, looking like a quality mark or anything as well for organisations that are we are we do good yeah. work with freelancers? A standard yeah, like a standard. So we're looking
2: to have a code of conduct and a traffic light system. That's mm. what we're asking for, so that people can be aware of who they're working for, and you know, choose to or not to
0: work with the certain people if they're badly rated. What's nice about that, I think, is I was trying to think in my head around who has the power. You know, when you talk about employee versus employer power? Who has the power in kind of the freelance kind of situation? Is it the individual or is it the organisation? And I guess at the moment, there's quite a lot in probably with the organisation because some of these things don't exist. Mm -hmm. And often to Matthew's point, maybe it's the how you view the use of freelancers. So if they are, I was reading quite a lot about people using them last minute, almost like emergency plaster, stickers you know it's like got no other option and you're just literally bringing them in in these kind of peak periods versus going I'm bringing you in because I really value your skills in which case the equity feels a bit more balanced there Mm -hmm. what do you find Matthew when you're doing your freelance do you feel like you do kind of control your own time, you can choose your own projects or does that reality change month to month?
1: It changes. It's really down to the organisation, the person you're working with. Yeah. The best projects are the ones where it is a partnership and you're, yeah. you realise there's value on both sides and the worst ones are where it's like, just do this, please. And maybe think, not
0: without a plea no please even yeah. <laughs> just do yeah and, and
1: you know so many things go out of the window when it's that rushed oh we just need to get someone in so diversity inclusion goes out of the window mm. it's just like who's available for the right price at the right time just get them in and get them started and that doesn't create great work it doesn't create happy people the interesting shift that we're seeing again in the creative industries is agencies are increasingly using external talent by design rather Mm. than overflow so they're saying actually we don't hire we don't have staff Uh, we're completely a virtual agency and everybody on our books is self-employed and we design a team, bring those specialists together for the right time and the right project. Mm, such so an interesting
3: model of work, I it's think. Really,
1: and then the power dynamic is really interesting because if those organisations are not treating their people fairly, there's nothing to stop them saying, well, we're not going to work with you. So I, I think the dynamic is shifting. We've got a long way to go. But points of, you know, not doing free spec work and getting paid on time and all of those things, we just have to be really firm. And there is, it shouldn't be a discussion. It's not a, oh, Mm -hmm. do you sometimes, like, no, it's just a firm, no. Because every time there is a conversation, it's like, oh, maybe this time it gets it harder for everybody to, yeah. to be able to say no.
0: I saw a brilliant thing on a BBC article I was reading where apparently this guy responds, if he ever gets asked to do stuff for free, he responds and says, I'm just going to check with my mortgage lender whether they'll let me have a month off for free. <laughs> and like, and so, he, I mean, it was quite tongue in cheek, but I really enjoyed it. It really made me laugh because he, he, he was sort of mirroring back the, OK, but the realities of my life is I still have to pay my bills. And it's still all exactly the same. And you're actually, it's almost like Chloe, when you said it out loud, you go, actually, that isn't reasonable. That's not a good thing to do. So we're going to finish in a minute with kind of resources and things that people can go to that might be useful if you're already in a freelance role or thinking about it. Before we move on to that, if you were to both kind of summarise your advice for kind of freelancers. So with all of your expert knowledge, Chloe, and your kind of direct experience, Matthew, and running this community, if you're going, the one thing to think about is this if you're kind of thinking about getting started or perhaps even if you're started what would the one thing be if I kind of made you pick Chloe? Well a lot of people we talk to say
2: if I'd have known this sooner that this was a possibility for me I'd have done it years ago. Oh nice Um, that's a really positive way to finish that's nice. (laughs) So I think just Testing the water a lot of people do um, mm. like a side hustle um, that we nice. call it so staying in employment but sort of trying it out on the side to see if you know they could mm. potentially move it into projects so I think that's a really nice way of getting started and just being really aware of all the different hats you'll have to wear if you go freelance I think is important
0: yeah so kind of give it a try if it's something if it's something you're interested in And probably today, I guess sometimes it might have felt a bit overwhelming for people if they were like, wow, that's a lot to think about. (laughs) Actually, the barriers to entry are probably lower than they've ever been before. And your ability to just give it a go on the side. Actually, Helen and I work with one designer who's brilliant and he just does a bit of design for us on the side. Whether he's choosing to try out freelance life or not, he sort of is a bit just by accident or design because he's just doing a bit of extra work for us. And that's probably giving him a bit of insight into, oh, he has to do an invoice for us. And, you know, some of the probably less glamorous bits. (laughs) What about you, Matthew? What would your kind of parting thoughts be for people?
1: Completely agree with Chloe. And I would also say don't fake it until you make it. If you're struggling or you don't know how to do something or you're like, oh, this is a bit awkward, Be vulnerable, like find those people that you can share that with and say, how did you approach this Mm. or what would you do in this situation? And just the act of saying it out loud a lot of the time can help you work it through. But if you are working for yourself, you don't have to be on your own. There are plenty of people who are there who are going through the same experience and and will have plenty of wisdom to share with you.
0: Yeah, that's really lovely. I was actually having uh, dinner with a few friends last night who are self-employed running their own businesses. And they were saying that's the biggest thing they've had to get their head around is And they run their own businesses by themselves, so they don't have the benefit of a lovely (laughs) co-founder. And they were saying to me, oh, we really wish we had a co-founder. And I sort of said to them, well, perhaps just think about it differently. Just try and you need to sort of go and find your tribe, find other people who are also starting their own businesses. You don't need to find someone to run a business with you. And I think it's just thinking about that a bit differently. So some of the resources that might be useful for people. So... We'll post all these on our podcast post on the website. There's a brilliant article I found on The Muse, which is really comprehensive in terms of everything I think you need to get started to understand more about freelance life. I really like the fact that it listed loads of apps that are useful, people to follow, things you can resources you can get for free lots of kind of technology uh, so that is a quite a long read actually in the world of three top tips it's like the exact opposite <laughs> of that and i read things you need yeah, to know i actually quite enjoyed that though i was like oh it kind of came at it from all angles so i felt like if you were going to read one thing that got you thinking about all the right sort of things that was really helpful um we've mentioned a few times that matthew runs the leapers community on slack that's free for people to become part of how do people find out more about that matthew if they were going well, actually i'm already a freelancer and I'm really interested in the career development, the mental health aspects that you talked about. Where do people go to become part of that?
1: So our website is leapers.co. .co, Co, okay. And there's a big old button which says join us at the top, (laughs) which shows you really straightforward, yeah. And we're on Twitter as well because not everybody's necessarily on Slack and we're starting to find other ways of creating content and resources. But everything's on leapers.co and we're very welcoming.
0: Oh, and actually we follow you on, we both follow you individually on LinkedIn. That's what I was going to say, You always share your resources on LinkedIn, I think, or I feel like I get lots of helpful advice from you on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And
1: we just try and push it all out there because I think it's difficult, right? And and the more content which we can create and the wisdom which we can share, then everybody benefits from that.
0: Mm. And I found a very specific Instagram account, which somebody recommended to us actually last week, which is called Freelancing Females. It's a really big community. It's got over 100,000 people. I would say what that Instagram account does is those daily pops of insight and inspiration that just make you smile. So it talks about things like the wheel of trying to get paid and thinking, I'm really excited about this project. Oh, no, this project is killing me. I'm nearly done oh, I've not been paid, oh, I've been paid, hooray, go out for a meal, oh, no, I need to find a new project. So just like <laughs> just some really funny, quite knowing insights and actually some of the books that we've recommended, they've borrowed some of their illustrations, so that's really nice to follow. Chloe, if people wanted to become a member, where do they go? What are kind of the advantages of kind of being part of Ipsay?
2: Uh, we currently have about 75,000 members, so you can go to ipsay.co.uk okay. and find out all our membership packages. Um, they offer things like insurance cover, so if you're... Right. um You've got long-term three weeks of illness, so we can provide insurances. For example, if you have jury cover, because... You you can't work. (laughs) All these little things. It just doesn't occur to you, yeah. There's tax and legal helplines. There's lots of resources, how to set up as a business or as a freelancer. We also have lots of free content, uh, news, policy areas to think of. And lots of my research is on there as well to find out um, what's going on in the sector.
0: Yeah, there's one that we uh, spotted, I think it was called Be Your Own Boss. Be Your Boss, yeah. 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 Um, Which looked like it was a really kind of helpful everything in one place. If you are listening and you know of other resources, because I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening who... Are already aware of things that we've perhaps not mentioned if when we post this on Instagram usually it's on a kind of Tuesday morning depending on what time Helen gets up that day and what, <laughs> else she, what else she's got on please do comment on Instagram and share other things that you have found really helpful for the benefit of the community we will then bring all of those things together and make sure that when we post on the website it's got everything on there so even more kind of inspiration from everybody who listens to the podcast so if you have got something uh, just keep a look out on Instagram for the post we're just at Amazing if and just benefit everybody else hopefully by sharing your words of wisdom so that's it from Squiggly careers and from sarah and i and thank you so much matthew and chloe really appreciate your time and all your expertise and
3: wisdom we'll be back next week with another episode and we'll see you all then bye for now
1: (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince